Welcome to Sliding Doors, the podcast that delves into the decisions and moments that shape our lives. I am Jenny Becker, and throughout my life, career and relationships, I've always been fascinated with the notion that everything happens for a reason, alongside my love for the 90s movie classic, Sliding Doors. Have you ever really thought about those moments that shaped your life? Those decisions that could have gone either way in the opportunities presented to you? What if you had taken that job? or told that person in high school how much you liked them. Each episode, I will talk to some amazing people from all walks of life and chat about their sliding doors moments. We will reflect on how a decisional moment changed the course of their lives and how things might have looked if they had never happened. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. My guest today is Ranveer Singh. Ranveer is an award-winning presenter and best known as a broadcaster and former political editor on ITV's Good Morning Britain. Born and raised in Preston, Ranveer graduated from Lancaster University in philosophy and English literature and later returned to complete her postgraduate in broadcast journalism. She spent 12 years at the BBC as a producer, reporter and presenter on both regional and national radio and television. She co-presented BBC Northwest Tonight for nearly five years, which bags her best on-screen talent at the Royal Television Society's Northwest Awards. Throughout her career, she's been at the forefront of global news, spending time with Donald Trump during his presidency at the White House, reporting live from the Grenfell Tower tragedy and the Westminster attack, to name a few. If that wasn't enough, she was also a semi-finalist on Strictly Come Dancing in 2020, regularly hosts Lorraine on ITV, hosts a daytime quiz show Ridiculous, and fronts several ITV primetime factual series such as Eat Shop Save and Real Stories. As someone who we all feel is very much a part of our lives and at the forefront of journalism, I cannot wait to chat to her today and hear all about the Sliding Doors moments in her life. So welcome to Sliding Doors, Ranveer. Did you write that using ChatGPT? That's what I want to know. Because that would have taken quite some effort what you just did there, right? Quite a lot of research, quite a lot of writing. Now you could have done that in th- if you didn't use ChatGPT... Next time you use it, it's three seconds it'll take. Wow, I don't even know what that is, but there we go. I'll try it next time. But thank you so much for joining me today because you're such a busy lady and I can imagine you've been up very early today. 
Well, you say that because I know this is a podcast and nobody can actually see us, but I am wearing a very luxurious, I have to say, um, <laughs> Frida Kahlo velvet gown, right? In the middle of the afternoon. It's like in the middle of the afternoon we're talking. But because, yes, I was up at, well, I was up at 20 past three this morning to go to wow. work. And it's, well, can we say it's a Monday today when we're talking? Yes. And so Sunday nights are really hard to get to sleep on time because you're chilled and you know, you're not tired at 9pm. Yeah. And so half 10, I was still awake, as happened so regularly over the last 10 years, or 11, 12 years since I've been doing it. And uh, breakfast TV. And um, yeah, and so I came home and I thought, I'm going to have a nap. And I literally oh. just woke up. <laughs> About I'm afraid to say, I absolutely love that so much. And you know what it is? Sometimes it's the pressure when you know you've got to get to sleep by a certain time. I just can't do it. No, and your brain just, I mean, I'm, I do quite a lot of meditation and like use the Calm app and the Headspace app. I use all of that. Yeah. Just, uh, and a lot of sort of slowing down. And I, so I, I get off to, I can get off to sleep easily, but sometimes I just don't want to. Just yeah. like a rebel in me. I was like, no, I'll be fine. I'll, I know. I'll just, and it's also knowing that we've got the control that oh, I want to stay up late. If I want to, I will. Exactly. And yeah, then you well, pay for it the next day. I know. Well, thank you for having a nap. So we've got you nice and fresh, which <laughs> yeah. is brilliant. So how is life? How is everything at the moment for you? Do you know, life is probably um, probably the happiest I've been in all areas of my life. Probably for the first time, oh, I would say, so nice. in my whole life, I would say. Yeah, like truly like settled, like uh, in myself in my home life, um, there's like a sort of thing when it's, there's my son's um, 10, 11-ish. And, you know, you sort of, as you see them go, you go, ah, oh, okay, he's okay. He's a polite boy. So mm -hmm. I feel like I've got over the first hurdle. You know, there's still the teenage years. To come. I feel like <laughs> yeah. I've got the first hurdle of like, you know, okay, we're on the right track. And then in my career, certainly, I feel that um, I needed a change and I I needed to you mentioned the political editor job which was so intense and really 28 hours a day job yeah. you know you, you couldn't you couldn't sleep you for us if you obviously you had to sleep but I'm talking about not having slept much before this morning I mean this is amazing I when I was doing the political editor's job you know you when especially there was such an incredibly busy time those years Brexit Trump Corbyn. Oh my gosh, so um, much. We had Theresa May come in as a new Prime Minister. There was so much happening. Boris Johnson was Foreign Secretary and he was vying for the big job. And so there was a lot of shenanigans. There was so much happening uh, here and abroad. And I was in Brussels every Friday. It was just constant, constant, wow. constant. So I needed a break from that. Mm -hmm. And so I got one, which is more what I do now, which is studio based. And so, um, yeah, a, so life is really very lucky at the moment Jenny and I know that it sometimes things can change so quickly yeah, sliding doors exactly is the name of the podcast sliding doors can happen for good reasons and for bad reasons um and so I and I'm so grateful that at the moment I'm on the right train going in the right direction you know yeah. to the sliding doors analogy yeah that's so lovely to hear because I think sometimes just being able to sit back and be like I'm content at the moment you know it doesn't have to be I'm really really happy and everything's amazing it's just like you know what everything is just content and good and is going in the right direction yeah and I think that's and think contentment is really um hit the nail on the head that is it and it's funny because I hadn't seen Sliding Doors the film for 25 years you know wow, so yeah and, so, and we met didn't we at a, yeah. at a party because we have some mutual friends and um 
And after chatting to you, I, I said to my partner, I said, right, let's just watch Sliding Doors. He had never seen it, which is oh, weird. I, love I was that. like, you've got to see this film. So we watched it and it was so brilliant because you know, it's that thing, and I've listened to a few of your other podcasts, you know, because I, I enjoy mm-hmm. hearing other people's stories. Yeah. And it's funny because you think, right, you know, what was a decision? And what really was sliding doors? Because some things aren't just, dis- we make sure. decisions all the time, difficult decisions. Yeah. One thing or the other. We don't even know if it's the right one until we, you know, several years into that decision or whatever. Um, so it's sometimes, you know, so trying to figure out what are sliding doors moments and what were just difficult decisions are quite, it's quite a difficult thing to figure out looking back. It's really hard. You're right. Cause there are moments, there are things that are very much out of our control, but then there are decisions that we've made, um, you know, that can go either way. And that's, what's just so brilliant about looking back on stuff. And I can't wait to, to delve into yours cause they're brilliant. And I wanted to take it right back and just explain what you were like when you were growing up. What was Ranveer like as a child? Gosh, um, I think probably just quite eager to please. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the third daughter of three, uh, so and the youngest by a long way. So my older sister is 15 years older. My other sister is nine years older than me. So it was sort of like ha- I really was like the youngest, youngest. And yeah. um, I suppose it was a bit like having two mums, you know, and then a re- much older sister. And then my, and then the thing is, it's difficult. And I'm sure you've had this many, many a time when you've asked somebody on this podcast about looking back to their childhood because and my, my dad died when I was nine. Mm-hmm. And so there's a strange break in my sort of, I can't, I almost can't go back beyond nine and think yeah. about it properly. It's a really strange experience because somehow everything is, everything stopped and then, everything changed and so I couldn't when I look back I'm not quite sure who I was before that um I'm not sure any people and I'm not maybe maybe people can't really remember who they are before they're nine anyway sure yeah certainly my life was vastly different my memories are different my you know Mm -hmm. the things that would have stuck in my mind normally aren't there but what I can remember so vividly is the sort of is the sort of loss, you know? So, so it's quite a strange thing looking back and going, Oh, who was she? But, you know, again, I suppose in a way, not sliding doors, but just grief and death of a parent at a young age certainly is a sliding doors in a way, because as a child, you've got no control over it. And when it happened, then it certainly, I often think, and we'll mention it later that, and I think about this a lot, Jenny, I think about this probably, I think I think about this more than once a week, weirdly, is that, what would I have been doing had my dad stayed alive? And yeah. I always think to myself, I probably wouldn't have done journalism. I probably wouldn't have done this job. Wow. In fact, I'm almost certain I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. And is that because, you know, you felt, I mean, we all feel like we've got expectations from our parents. We've had some people talk about this before where they actually totally said what you said is that their father died when they were younger and they really feel like they went down this path because of that death and they would have gone down something different and do you feel like it's because you know your father had an expectation of what he wanted you to do like you know did he want you to be something is it that or do you just think you would have just been a very different person no well I think well although it's interesting because watching that sliding doors thing it was really brilliant watching the film because the big stuff still happened Mm. you know the big stuff happened to you no matter what path you chose exactly yeah always Um, certain certain things are always going to happen yeah and I and I found that really strangely reassuring you know I found the film reassuring in that in that way um 
And yet, I have to say that when I really think about it, I think that I would have chosen a quote-unquote safer path. Yeah. I think I probably would have wanted to please him and I probably would have been a lawyer because um, that is one of my sliding doors moments, yeah. actually. Um, when I was older, that became a sliding doors moment, I think. And so, yeah, I think that I probably, and I think my personal life would have been very, very different, possibly. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I've been a single mum, been divorced and all this sort of stuff. And I never really talk about my private life ever. And I'm not really going to either. But for, 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 for sake of clarity, I often think, you know, my, my private life as a young Indian girl growing up in a Sikh household in England, you know, in northwest of England, had its own. Um, you are a slightly different person behind yeah. the front door than you are when you're outside in the world. And um, that can be a real culture clash and very difficult for families to deal with when you're out sure. in the world espousing different kind of values to the ones that or behaviours or judging judgments about your own yeah. behaviours that, that are different to the ones that they would have wished for you or would have wanted you to have. Yeah. So I think if my dad had been around, that patriarchal sort of driving force would have probably manipulated my life more, but not in a bad way. Yeah. I just think I probably would have taken more of a safe route in my life. Yeah, definitely. And it's so interesting what you say, because I really think about this a lot with the sliding doors theory is, is that there just are some moments that are meant to happen, some things. And I think we have to have a bit of that belief sometimes, but you know, when, when tragedy does happen in your life, it's, it's awful to go through. And as you get older and as time goes by, you can look back at things. And, and as you say, take some positive is the wrong word, but take some light mm. in the bad that happened. And Absolutely. I think that's what's nice. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely see that, you know, um, for example, you know, my mum, you know, didn't, and wasn't able to take sort of any interest in sort of homework or, um, or my reports, or my sort of GCSE choices, or my A-level choices, sort of, we never had a conversation about it, because, well, she, you know, she didn't speak English, she speaks a little bit of English, but not enough to mm -hmm. sort of get involved in that way, and by the time I was sort of 10, both my sisters had got married and moved away, you know, down to London and Birmingham and stuff, and I was in Preston, we didn't have any family there, um, just a small seat community of friends, so there was just me and my mum, and really... In many ways, I feel very, very, very lucky in the mm. sense that the one area of my life that she couldn't get involved in, because she had no knowledge, she'd never been to university and didn't speak the language. We spoke Punjabi at home, yeah. never spoke English. So there was sort of, I was just sort of left to it. And that was kind of crazy because, you know, you joke about it now, but it's still true. You know, Indian parenting is like, there are three options, right? You're going to be... <laughs> yeah either medically trained you're going to be a pharmacist or a doctor you know mm -hmm. you're going to be a lawyer yeah. or uh well or or you can be an accountant or a teacher Maybe. but you know you're <laughs> yeah. sort of pushing it you know you can't, that's it you know we really yeah. can't and back then that was absolutely true and you know um I, I joke with my son about it now you know he watches all these memes you know about Asian parenting and yeah, he still thinks I'm a really strict Indian parent <laughs> I'm like you've no idea mate you have no idea <laughs> No idea. But it's it's amazing to think as well. And did you did you have a dream when you were younger of what you wanted to be like little Ranveer? Like, did you did, were you kind of always like I need to be a vocation or did you have dreams of being a, a broadcaster or a presenter or did you? No, was no, it God, no, 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 no. That that came that came way later. No, that was never, ever, it never occurred to me. Except it's really strange because when I think back to really vivid memories, well, 
one of my dad, you know, of my dad. And, you know, and it is always that thing that Steve Jobs said, you can only connect the dots looking back. Mm-hmm. And it's true. Um, because, you know, the six o'clock news in the evening or the 6.30 ITV news, whatever, was an absolute sort of sacred point in the day in my house when my dad was alive. You know, yeah. we weren't allowed to answer the phone. He'd be angry. If anybody rang, what are they, why is somebody ringing now? You know, is yeah. that what people do when somebody rings during these standers? You know, you're yeah, like, why like, you know? how do they know? But, but in our, it really was, you know, and we had to sit still and, you know, you just, it was, it was just this thing that you just had to be still. And my dad had to be able to concentrate and, you know, and I think that played a part in my understanding that news and current affairs is not something that happens away from you. It's something that is visceral and something that mm-hmm. is in your home and that it has an impact on you. And mm-hmm. I never really, obviously most people think that politics and news, you know, not now necessarily, but as I was going, you know, it was always this thing that happened down in London or it's something that yeah. is at arms. Like, oh, why vote? It's never going to happen to me. In my and, life. Yeah. And I think that happens to a lot of immigrant families. For example, one of my most vivid memories of my dad is on on the day of the assassination of Indra Gandhi. Mm-hmm. And um, just this crackly sort of world service radio upstairs in the bedroom, my dad just running around the house in his sort of underwear, just going, this has happened, this has happened. And I didn't really know what this was, but I remember it so vividly. So it's odd when I think back, I think yeah. news and current affairs played such a big part of my relationship with him in those yeah. first nine years, oddly, yeah. I think sometimes a job can feel like a job, but when you really think back and link it to make it relative to you and yes. your life, you're in everyone's homes and the memories that you're talking about, you're creating those memories. It's such a ripple effect. I love it. And we spoke about all the amazing things you do. What do you enjoy most about your job? Because you do so many different things. It's so varied. What gives you the most enjoyment and pleasure? Gosh, it's doing what you're doing right now. So mm. this is odd for me, isn't it? Because yeah. I'm on the receiving <laughs> end of it. too. But what I enjoy the most, and when I, you know, sit in for Lorraine, I find it particularly joyful because it's a whole hour of just being, you know, on your own and just being able to take an interview or a conversation wherever it goes. Um, And that is what I love the most. I also, so I think I just, I've never really been a sort of big, um, you know, I've never wanted to sort of think, oh, I I must, I must, interview Hollywood A-listers you know people always think when you do this job that that must be the most exciting thing and I have met so many but it's really embarrassing because people will always who's the most famous person you've met (laughs) and I honestly I can never ever remember (laughs) and I'm the most annoying person you know yeah Uh, you know so so in that sense but for me yeah the most the, the thread that runs through I think every job I've ever done since the very beginning since in my early 20s my very very first job is the simplicity of just speaking directly to somebody when they're in their kitchen or in their in their driveway or when they're driving dressing home gown. Or whatever it is or when they're dressing and <laughs> like I am and it's really radio you know radio is where I started and, yeah. and tv is just radio with pictures sometimes and so you know and it's different but it's it, and it's impactful but yeah so I just think that the thread is just being able to talk to people about their ordinary slash extraordinary lives mm-hmm. nobody thinks they're extraordinary um and being able to just share that simply with somebody at home and explain yeah. complicated things simply it's just yeah. that idea of just tr- being a vehicle between people yeah you're here you're there you'd never hear each other's voices or 
but I'm able to do that with you. I'm able to connect you two together yeah. and, and something like this. And it's know. a drug because it gives you so much like passion and like whenever I finish an interview, I'm always like really high and like I'm like that was so good and I loved it. Yeah, and you right. you are a natural interviewer, you know. That's you have but, that in you. But also you're right. Sometimes it's like, it's not the A-listers that are actually the most interesting. It's the, it's the people that you can really get the nitty gritty of and talk yes. to and their emotions. And, you know, I've asked you, what do you enjoy the most? And we've spoken on a bit about, you know, the early mornings. What do you find the hardest thing about your job? Because, you know, the work-life balance, you're a mum, you're a woman, you deal with a lot of different things. What, what do you find hardest about what you do? I think that it's going to be really boring, but, but, uh, the most the hardest thing I found was being cold I mm -hmm. absolutely I hate being cold right I'm the same oh yeah it's right it's I cannot tell you I am so miserable if my feet are cold I am my brain freezes <laughs> yeah. and I am really really grumpy like properly like I'm annoyed don't with the come near me yeah. and um and so my poor camera crew for five years, you know, on the road outside Downing Street, which is horrific. If oh my it's gosh. always at least a degree and a half colder on Downing Street <laughs> than it is anywhere else in the world. Um, uh, there's nowhere to go for a wee, and it's and it's always darker. It doesn't matter what you. It's always dark. Yeah. And I literally found that I just it's being cold, and I would get so cross just standing there getting colder. And colder, oh, I'd hate and it. And then having to perform, you know, and then your brain has to kick in and you've yeah. got to make it. So, yeah, I know it sounds like a really boring thing. Not at all. <laughs> but the physicality of it, everything else I can deal with. Yeah. Everything else, right? And I no. realised that getting up early, I can deal with that. It's mm -hmm. being cold. I can't, oh. I can't do it. I, I'm exactly the same though. I think being cold, it's just, it, it, I'm constantly cold though. So it's just part of my life, but I can't imagine being waiting outside for ages for that, like two minute or even like 30 second yes, clip and you're exactly. just in the cold for all that. So do you feel like, can you, you mention it there? Like, you know, you, you are a single mum. you kind of have a lot of, you don't live the normal life with your hours and what you work, but do you feel like you've found a place where you do have a good work-life balance at the moment? I do now. I have yeah. to say that certainly, you know, for the, since I've been at ITV, obviously before that I was at the BBC and I didn't have a child then, uh, but also then, you know, I was working relatively normal hours. Mm -hmm. So I did an evening show um, for, for the last four years before I came to ITV. And um, so those hours were fantastic. Although then you see what it meant was that I could work weekends at five live and so I yeah. could just cane it like and that's what you do you know you absolutely cane it but then you know you can sleep and eat whenever you want and all that sort of stuff so you know since I've had my son work-life balance matters mm -hmm. more than it ever did before because I wasn't impacting on anybody else before other than just exactly. myself yeah whereas obviously yeah so do I have a better work-life balance now than I ever have. And I think that's what's contributing to my contentedness. Mm -hmm. It's definitely that. He's in year six. I wanted to make sure that at least I was around in the mornings twice a week. Yeah. You know, um, I've never been there in the mornings. And um, and so th and also, you know, we had, had to come up with a new word several years ago that, you know, mummy's getting tangry, you know, tired and angry. Yeah. You know, I was going, you know, and he was only sort of four or five or, you know, and all those. And I was just going, I'm getting tangry. And it was hor it's a horrible thing. And I know lots of breakfast TV presenters, particularly women, yeah. have spoken about how doing breakfast TV and doing those shifts, and any shift worker will tell you, doing yeah, them over exactly. long, a long period of time 
is really sort of personality altering. Yeah, of actually. course. Yeah. yeah. When Vic Hope did, um, you know, radio breakfast and she's young, shiny, bright, healthy thing. She had to give up doing. We did a show together and she was like, oh, I did, you know, breakfast radio. And I just had to stop doing it because the hours and I was like, that's of course, you know, yeah. and I get that. Um, but no, I used to work so many hours of the day. I used to do breakfast TV, then I'd go straight to Grazing Road in London where they do ITV News. I'd get there for half nine, having been up since three. Oh Sometimes I'd stay there and do news at 10. You know, I would do literally that. But when you're freelance and when you're trying to make a name for yourself... Of course. Um, it is the thing you have to do. I don't know any other way to have done it. I really yeah. don't know how I could have accelerated my progress in any other way. And I guess like as you get on with your career, your experience, your life, number one, you get to a point where, as you say, you, you kind of climb the ladder, you're getting to somewhere where you feel more comfortable in your career, but also you realise what are the non-negotiables with your child and you realise like, I won't, you know, you there's some things you just won't do because you don't want to compromise the relationship right. you have with your yeah. and I and children. I And I definitely, you know, have found that um, turning down job offers turning you know that come out and in tv and radio they can come out of the blue because you don't really yeah. apply for anything which sounds you know it's a very luxurious position but it also means you don't really apply for anything yeah because if you hear you know something's come up and they haven't got in touch with you before that person's left you know then yeah. you know that you're not the one they want you know so mm -hmm. because it's not like it's one of those things where that you know there's always a sort of uh transition thing happening where people are always building up you know who they want next for each job exactly uh, I'm sure that's true in a lot of industries but often you know there's a sort of but in tv you don't you don't advertise we'd like a tv presenter yes. you know or we'd like a you know you don't get that really um and so I uh, you know often I think sliding doors for me have been uh, you know on a broader perspective where we said is it a decision or is it sliding doors is taking the gamble of turning massive massive chunks of work down that would have paid well but I've got to create the space mm -hmm. for something else to come in that really, really serves me. Yes. And that is a massive risk to take. It takes huge courage. But it also means that you have to be prepared for the consequences, that they mm -hmm. may never ring again, and that has happened, that you may end up poorer than you were beforehand. Not, you know, it's relative. You might yeah. end up not earning as much. So that's a reality of turning work down all the, you know, regularly and saying no to things. And it just means, but it also just means that you've got to figure out what is the payoff. The payoff is yeah. I'll be less tired, I'll be more available. That will actually ultimately make me happier. Exactly. And then actually something that really fits you, you, you sort of practice the muscle of courage. Yes. And it is a muscle you've got to work It really at. is a muscle. Um, and you've got, and it's amazing because once you do it once or twice, it becomes, you sort of find it quite exciting to turn stuff. You find it quite... Yeah, oh, it's gonna... a freedom to yeah, say you no. Know, you know I'm going to defy expectation. Everybody expects me to do that job. Yeah. And you turn it down because it's show not Show me right. what else you've got. Show, come on, universe. <laughs> show, me, show me something better, yeah, right? It's an incredible thing to turn the power stuff of away. No. It feeds into your desperation of saying yes and mm -hmm. wanting security. But if you can push it away, if it's the right thing to do to push it away, you can allow something so much more fruitful to come into your yeah. life that is the trick of you oh know, it really is I love that 
I love that so much. And it actually brings me on to the question I wanted to ask you before we go into your moment. So I know you've seen the film now, which is great. And you've seen it recently. I'm a very good student, Jenny. Yes, you are. I'm very impressed. Have you chosen to rewatch the film before? No, they haven't. So you you get a a tick for that one. But what do you believe in when it comes to the sliding doors theory? So do you believe everything happens for a reason, which you kind of just mentioned there? But do you believe in fate, timing, coincidence, hard work? What what do you really believe in? Um, I certainly believe in hard work. Mm-hmm. I certainly believe in that. I, what do I believe in? It's interesting because obviously as an interviewer myself, you know, you do those. So when you talk about sliding doors, right? Mm-hmm. The very first thing that comes into my mind is like 9-11, right? You know, like yeah. the people who are meant to be in that building that day, the person who missed the bus, the person. And those stories are, you know, there are dozens and dozens of them out there. Why didn't I... Why did I choose to go to the hairdressers that morning instead of going? Those things to me are true almost, you know, those are true sliding moments. Yeah. And I don't, and I was thinking, have I got one of those? And I don't, I don't know if I have, because that's quite an extreme sort of view of what a sliding door is. But what do I believe in overall? I, I believe in hard work, but I certainly believe in not, working so hard that when things don't come you've got to think what is it that's blocking this I think you can tangle yourself up in knots I think it's true when they say be careful what you wish for because mm-hmm. I think sometimes the thing that you want is not the thing that will make you happy or will is something you need and I have had those gut moments I mean I trust my gut now and I wish if there was one lesson I could learn and go back and tell myself as a sort of 15 year old girl, I suppose, would be, you are always right. Mm. Not oh. information wise, not, no, in terms no, no, of, the not in terms of talking to people and not in, not, you're never, you never know everything, but you, just you on the inside, you mm-hmm. are always, you are always right. Yeah. So when everything else, every structure that you live inside, every intersectional bit of your life, being a woman, being a daughter, being a sister, being a partner, being northern, being brown, being a single mother, any of those structures that instruct you that something is meant to be right for you, if it doesn't feel right to you, it absolutely isn't. Re- ignore what the world is telling yep. you. Ignore it. Yeah. And I think that that's what I now fundamentally live by. I fully agree with you and I think that you learn it from experience but you also know that if you can hold yourself accountable to something you believe in then you follow you'd at least you followed you you've not been influenced by somebody else and you make it a really interesting point there as well because I think sometimes people think sliding doors moments have to be big and flashy and fireworks and and sometimes and they don't and actually sometimes you know you mentioned 9-11 there Sometimes we don't know about the things that we've missed in our lives. You don't know if like, you know, like, you know, that you turning left meant that you didn't, I don't know, you know, God forbid, get run over by a cyclist. Like we don't know sometimes we do with the big things, but we don't know with, with some things in our lives. So there are a lot of the unknowns. I always think of that that in terms of traffic jams. I am always grateful to be in a traffic jam. I know. I just complain. Amazing. Somebody else is having the shittest day possible right now several minutes ahead of us if the dog hadn't got in the way if my son had got down and put his socks on at the right time yep. if we hadn't had that little argument as we were leaving and I thought I'm not going now yeah and I thought no I will <laughs> you know like exactly or or you know all of those things 
I, you know, you go, you go up and there's a divergent, oh no, oh, you know, they block that off. And you think, oh, there's an ambulance there. Yeah. But yeah. Right. I think, thank God we didn't leave a minute ago. I thank know. God we didn't leave 10 minutes ago. And you're absolutely, so in that sense, I suppose I'm always grateful. Yes. Traffic, traffic is always the one that makes me think. I'm glad to be late for this meeting. What a, what, a, what a great day I'm having. It's so true. And actually, Gwyneth Paltrow said in my research when I've just been doing stuff for the 20th anniversary, she said that's what she thinks of with sliding doors. She thinks at the end of the day, I did everything right today. I'm still here. Yeah. Nothing bad happened. And it's true. It's a way of thinking about it. Gosh. Yeah. Oh, well, I could talk absolutely. about this bit forever. I'm going to have to move on to your moments. We could talk sliding doors theory know, forever. So let's go into your slide. idea though. It is such a fascinating idea. It really yeah. is. And yeah. that's why I love chatting to people about it. And your moments are brilliant. So we'll start off with your first one. So deciding not to do a law conversion course at Leeds in the careers library at Lancaster University without knowing what an alternative option would be. So this is a great sign doors moment, especially because I love that you can remember where you were because you can really mm. pinpoint it. Mm. So do you want to explain um, why was this such a sign doors moment in your life and what happened? Well, because, as I say, every structure in my life, every, you know, um, person, thing, idea, society of influence over me that moulds a person, it's your environment, it's the everything was sort of, even me doing English and philosophy at university was a real curveball. Yeah. You know, I shouldn't have been doing that. I should have done law from the beginning. You know, should have, in inverted commas, right? Yeah. It was a bit of a wild trip for my family that I was doing that. Uh, but I suppose that was the, f maybe that was the first sort of moment of courage in my life where mm -hmm. I, um, you know, chose to do something that didn't have a job at the end of it, uh, which is completely an anathema to anybody yeah. of my background. It's just yeah. like, nope. What you know. is she doing? Yeah, like, it, you know. And so, but so what happened, so then, of course, you know, I, I was in, I was thinking it was at the end of my second year, you know, you're getting into the third year, and think, oh, I've only got a few months left. What am I going to do? So I thought, right. And I, and I went into the careers library at Lancaster University. It was a warm, warm day, and the sun was shining through, and it was empty in this careers library. It was like only a small room. There yeah. all these red giant folders all up on the walls, and I went over and I picked the one that said law and I sat there on my own and I sort of started looking through it. And I thought, and I did a lot of drama. I did, I'd always done, um, I did elocution when I was little and then I yeah. did speech and drama and then I did all my Lambda exams. You know, those were, that was my little thing. I didn't do sport. I didn't do anything else. I just always did a little bit of drama mm -hmm. and um, both personally and indeed for yeah. <laughs> some non-award winning drama has also occurred <laughs> in my life, which we won't go into, uh, but some other sort of notable drama. But and, and when I was at university, I was in the sort of theatre group, you know, so we'd put on plays and stuff. Yeah. And I uh, and I uh, and I opened this thing and I saw it and I thought, right, um, I'm going to have to be a barrister because I can't imagine not having an element of standing up in front of someone yeah. and saying something was sort of the, the thing that had, you know, it had been my the thing. part. Yeah, I think so. The sort of, yeah, the sort of drama bit of, of mm -hmm. law is being a barrister. Oh, I suppose I've watched Rumpole of the Bailey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, the wig and the drama <laughs> yeah. and I put it to you, Your Honour. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You know, that and the jury. You know. and I Forget all the hard work. I just right, want to stand up right. there. And then I looked and I, and it was sort of back then as well, we're talking over 20 years ago, you know, to get your silk, to get to the bar, it would have cost sort of over £25,000, mm. more than that probably. And I just was like, oh, no, I can't, I can't do it. Just, I can't, that's never going to, I can't do it. And I, it was the shock to see, I had never thought about it. I never thought I wouldn't, oh God, right. So I just closed it and I thought, right, well, that's it. 
But I'd had a bad teacher, two bad teachers when I was at school. I never wanted to be a teacher because I thought, mm. I'm not passionate enough to be a yeah. teacher. So I refused to fall into the trap of going, those that don't do teach, right? I know it's not, yeah. a, it's not a very nice phrase, but you know, no, some but people say that, right? It's like, if you can't find anything else to do, go and be a teacher. We used yeah. to be the sort of thing that people yeah. say. And I hated being on the receiving end of people who were really clever, but didn't care about teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that, so my sliding doors moment was at that point, just going, right, no, I can't, do, I'm not going to do that. I need to earn I need to be in something that earns me money quickly and I can't afford to get into debt because of my mum and everything. I thought, I can't. So, and then I just left it. I didn't think, I tried, it was always there. Yeah. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? But I never forced it. I never forced myself to search. And one day I was in the Gurdwara, the Sikh temple in Preston, where we went every week, every Sunday. And there was a girl, an older girl called Susan, uh, which isn't a Sikh name, but we all have we all have various names. Yeah. In there. Or everyone has another name that yeah, for some yeah, reason yeah. your family call you an English name and everybody outside calls you a different name. Anyway, yeah. mine is Sonia. So in my family, oh. nobody calls me Ranvia. Everybody calls me Sonia. It's really oh, weird. <laughs> anyway, so Susan was over there and she was washing the dishes after the meal mm-hmm. uh, that we have. And I was, I couldn't even see her. I was in another bit of the, the, the temple hall and I was down there. And she was talking to me and she said, what are you going to do after uni? And I just said, so I, I said, I don't know yet. She went, oh, what are you doing? I said, I'm doing English literature and philosophy. Pause. She went, oh, right. Pause. Do you know, I've got a friend who did English. She works for the BBC. And she just carried on. And I swear to God, oh. I literally just went, <gasps> and I knew then that was it. I oh, knew wow. that that was it. And I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And that literally that was it. If I could put a pin in my life and go from that moment onward to this, that was it. Oh, that moment. What a great and moment. And I was just like, and literally, and I tell you, and I and I and I know you know this because you do this podcast all the time. From that moment, every single thing to do with my career has always fallen into place. Every single thing has fallen wow. right into place just as mm. I wanted it. Just as I walked up to doors, they would open. Literally like yeah. that. So when I started researching into, what, well, this is incredible. My dad's love of news and current affairs came rushing back, right? Oh. What a way to honour him. We sat there watching the National Evening News before. And, and I then was like, holy moly. And I went, the idea of performance, the red light switching on, the now or never, you know, all of that. It just, zoom, like Lit that, you up, all yeah. came up all at once in that minute. Uh, in that second, really, and I then look. Oh, where do I get? Where do I go to do this course? At that point, um, Jenny, there were five of the best places to do a postgraduate diploma in broadcast journalism. Guess where one of them was? Preston. 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 Obviously. Five minutes from my house. Wouldn't oh cost me God. anything to. I wouldn't have to live. Literally. What? And I never knew that. In all the time I'd lived my whole life, I never knew that Preston had this amazing journalism department through which all the big names have been through. Amazing. Fast forward, I am now the Chancellor of the University of Central wow. London. The University in Preston where I did my journalism course. Oh, I'm I getting so excited listening to this moment. On that moment. And, and every single thing, I can tell you more. It's like I, I went in to say to the course leader, I thought, right, and I remember, it's always on warm days, but I, remember the, I always remember the weather. Yeah. I always remember the, the heat. And I don't know, it's my heat... I remember driving up on my little Ford Fiesta 
And I'd, I'd finished Lancaster, I'd sort of was at Lancaster, I drove up to the Greenbank building and I thought, right, and I stood outside and it was a hot day again. And I looked at the shining glass doors of the Greenbank building and I hadn't even applied onto the course yet, but I just wanted to go and see what it was like. And so I stood outside and I literally, as I was, I remember I was wearing this brown pinstripe pin, pin suit from uh, yeah. Ness, you know, that I'd bought, it was the most expensive thing yeah. that I'd ever bought, you know. And I just remember walking up and I remember standing there and I looked at it and my eyes were, went a bit glazy because the sun was so bright. And I just looked at the building and I just, in my head, I don't know whether it's my voice, a voice, my gut, what it was. I just went, I'm not leaving that building until I have a place on that course. End of. And I walked in. Yeah. And I, and all the time that this lovely man, Mike Green, was showing me around the course and the, every, all the other students were there, in my head, I was like, this poor man has no idea he's about to offer me a place. Yeah. Because I'm not. He, he has no idea that I'm going to do this. He has. He has no idea he's going to do it. Not. I'm. I wasn't building. I wasn't nervous. I was just like, right, sat down in the office, and uh, he went, "Oh, so there you go. So what do you think? You know, just fancy doing the course?" And I said, "Yes, and I'd like to give me a place on it now." And he went, "Oh, <laughs> so funny." He swung around in his chair and started typing. <laughs> well, it's been nice meeting you. And I went, "I'm serious." And he went, "Sorry." And I went. Oh, Persistence wow. is a key trait of a good journalist. And I'm telling you, I want a place on the course now. And you know what? He gave me one. Oh, my I God. Never, I never spilled a form in. I never did the wow. never did oh. the interview process, never did anything. And when we got onto the course, people are, oh, everybody remembered each other from those two days where they all had to do this, you know. Yeah. And I'm telling you now, I think if I'd done that, I might not have even got on the course. Yeah. There was just something that I, and it was bizarre absolutely i don't know do you, where it comes from sometimes do you ever ever think that it's your dad like you know yeah. that like you know that because when you said about the bbc moment and just them saying it and like everything that you'd gone through and stuff do you ever think that sometimes in like the connection it could be i don't know do you believe in that type of well stuff? i have always if you i've always been slightly afraid of that yeah oddly I think that there's something perhaps, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I think yeah. that there's something that makes me hang back from going that far in my thought process. I can't yeah. really go that far because there's something about it. I don't know why. I think maybe it lifts the lid on too much loss. Yes. It, yeah. it, it opens the lid on too much absence it just yeah. lifts the lid on too much do you know what I mean so but I it's but the thread goes back you know and when I think back the and I, as I say and really oddly when I I the, a really vivid memory I have and I didn't know this and this is again sliding doors when I did when I was on the course at Preston I had a, a three-week placement to ITV News mm -hmm. uh, in Grayson Road where I ended up working eventually and the head of Output News was a man called Richard Frediani, who is currently the editor of BBC Breakfast, but he'd been at ITV for years and years and years. Now, how odd is this? Odd or not, right? I got there and I heard his name and I thought, hang on a minute. When I was 12 yeah. and, we, and I went to Kirkham Grammar School, his mum used to give me a lift back home with his sister, Sabrina, because I used to do this um, speech and drama class after school. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a car. We never had a car as I was growing up until I was 17, after my dad died. So we always had to, you know, beg, steal and borrow from, not steal, obviously, but, you know, or from the yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And I have this, and how, and this is when I was 12. I had no idea what broadcasting, I didn't know anything about it. I'm sat in the car, Sabrina's sat there, and we're just chatting. And this woman, who I, who I couldn't see, because she was just driving the car, but it was Sabrina's mum, was like, chat, chat, chat. Oh, no, hang on a minute. Wait a minute, girls. She turned up the radio. She goes, oh, hang on a minute. It's Richard. He's on Red Rose Radio. He was reading the news on local radio. Wow. And I remember being a 12-year-old girl, hearing that and just being, and seeing how proud, she was. how proud the mum was. Yeah. That, in that, I just thought, oh, it felt like a big moment. The yeah. mum was so proud. And then years later, we, we became friends and he gave me work at ITV News and I did. And so it's just that weird thing. Like oh you go, my gosh. holy moly, Everything. what is going on? Was this always being set up? You know, I mean, weird. your stars aligned with this moment and it's gone to realms I never thought it would go to, which I absolutely love. And I guess taking it right back that I'm really interested in hearing, because you said that, you know, when you were deciding what to do, we have all this pressure and you, you decided that you didn't want to do law and you kind of followed your gut. But to say that you let it rest is something yes. that's very hard for people to do. Do you think that because, you know, it gave you that faith that actually it worked out, has that helped you in your life now when you kind of can't make a decision or you don't know what to do, that you let things rest? Like, is it a trait that because, you know, that happened to you so young and it worked out, is that something that you adopted now? Gosh, it must be. I haven't really ever thought about it that way. It's a really interesting question. So when you say, have I, has that, it made me, it, it definitely set me up for my working life. But I have led a very, very double life, you know, in yeah. the sense that my working life has been my sanctuary. It, mm -hmm. And I always say, I skip into, I've always skipped into work on a Monday. People yeah. would wait for a Friday. I'd wait for a Monday. Yeah. You know? To me, going to work was like going on holiday. Love right? That. that was, it was my place where, it, it, and it always has been, it always has been. Mm -hmm. And I often say it saved me. Like it's, yeah. the, it's the anchor, it's been the anchor in my life. My career has been the anchor in my life. So I think that I certainly, in later years of my life, I have refound and found the courage, actually, yeah. Jenny, to use that set. And I've questioned it. So how can I be so sure about things in my career before they happen when in my private life I have I never, know it's funny isn't it never, you can be so ever. so confident it's like I can be the best person at giving advice to all of my single friends and anyone but taking it on myself and doing that can't, can't do it right and it's and that's that's the that's where you've got to I don't know I suppose maybe it is the sliding doors thing you know you've mm -hmm. got to be um hit rock bottom you've got to all the things all the shitty things that are going to happen to you yeah it's kind of you've got to let them I don't know whether they just wash through and eventually and they always say don't they life keeps teaching you the same lesson over and over mm -hmm. again and the lessons get harder if you don't if you stop listening if you don't listen the the problem will just get bigger and you will get more stressed and you will get, everything just gets worse and worse and worse until eventually you learn your lesson yeah eventually you learn your lesson the noise has to stop. Yeah. I'm going to stop it. And mm -hmm. I'm only going to listen to that thing that's in, you are always right. Yeah. You are individual, you are unique. And I, I also really want to, before we go on to your second moment, bring it back to the point where you said, because I've had a similar situation where, you know, you went to an interview and someone was just totally drawn in by you as a person. I went to an interview once 
did a maths exam, failed it. But I went into the interview just so relaxed because I thought I'd lost the job. And then I ended up getting the job because Amazing. the woman didn't mark the test because she liked me. And I think you make a brilliant point of like, you know, it is about, you know, you do have to be smart. You have to be academic. You've got to do the right thing. But there the are so ethic. many other ways. Ethic. Yeah, but there are so many other ways that you can show determination, that you can show that you want something and passion. And what a brilliant example for people to kind of see. Listen, it's not going to happen every time. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and just to ask you, what do you think, if you hadn't done the law conversion course, if you did not really followed what your gut was telling you, where do you think you'd be now? Well, that's interesting. So I often, I think about, it's one of my favorite things because I actually, actually, you know, when things I always think, you know, when things are a bit rubbish at work or, you know, you've had a bit of a rubbish day or you're tired or you think, would have been a partner in a law firm by now. <laughs> yeah, I always tell myself, I actually, I think that's the one thing that I would absolutely say. And therefore that gives me great reassurance in my life is that I know that had I chosen to go down the teaching route, I would have absolutely dedicated myself to mm. child development, early child development. I would have become a campaigner. I definitely would have. I, and I just know that there's a sort of, I would never have been dead behind the eyes because it's just would never have happened. Not in your nature. I, I couldn't have let it happen to myself. That isn't the way I just could. I know something about myself in that way. And I was like, had I done law, I probably would have gone into either family law or human rights. So I would have done something that, I care about now, yes. but now I care about it in a different way. I, I, I have people on a show, you know, we interview people, we mm-hmm. challenge people. So my interests remain there. My passion for sort of other things remain that remains there, but I just expose it in it from a different vantage point. Yeah. The way I would have done it before it, it, in the sliding doors moment, had yeah. I gone the other way. I think that's so great because it is, you're right. You know that your core values and the way you are would always be the same, just doing it in a different realm. Yeah. So exactly as it happens in the storyline of the film is that, is that the same sort of betrayals, the same sort of advances, yeah. the same sort of, you know, well, and sat you know in the pregnancy area of her you know all of those things are oh, you taking a lot of boxes here with the film well they come around <laughs> yeah, to you yeah anyway. they, do. they might come a year later two years later uh, yeah from a different person but all of that sense whatever it is that you're due to learn in this life it will all come to you but it comes to you in different people and in different places and in different spaces yeah. so in that sense I'm certain that I always think I wonder if I would have just ended up being you know one of these lawyers who comes on tv and advises people on mm. Exactly. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's no, such I, a good point. Maybe I would have become one of those people. Yeah. Maybe I would have ended up scratching this broadcasting, you know, itch, itch yeah. in a different way. I lo- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
love that. And then I want to go on to your second moment, because this is when we get into the nitty gritty of how you started um, your kind of presenting life. So your second moment is how I got my first TV presenting shift at the BBC. So I have a feeling this is going to be a really good one. So take us back to that time um, and explain how you got your first uh, TV presenting gig and why this was such a sign doors moment for you. Well, it was because um, I, we, what (laughs) was quite funny is, um, we were on Oxford Road in uh, Manchester uh, at the studios that don't exist now because you know everyone's at Salford at Media City. Yeah. And um, uh, I always felt sorry for the managers because they became there was this big thing where um, uh, it all became open plan, right? There used to be offices and doors shut and oh, people yeah. bollocked inside one of the rooms, you know, and all that. <laughs> there used to be a room with a plant in. You go, have you been plant roomed? You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> that was a room you got that bollocked in. That was the in, room, you know I mean? yeah. Anyway, um, so all of a sudden you know, all the wall, literally the walls, it got a refurb and we're all yeah. stuck in this one, one floor. And it was, you know, we were all in there. Everybody, this is at BBC Northwest tonight. So I was there as a reporter and I'm sat right at the back of the room, but it's really interesting. Chatter chat, new dreams are noisy places, right? Yeah. But something happens where I'm just working at this thing, but I, I don't know what it is, but I sort of look up and I sense that something's going on, Right. But I can see the editor and the head of news gathering over there. And all of a sudden, everything is just slightly tuned out. I think, oh, hang on a minute. Something's happening. And I just thought, and my, I, for some reason, I thought, I'm going to go down to the loo because the loos were really close to where their I'm like, there's, I want to know what's going on. Had this, had this open plan <laughs> yeah. office. You know, whoever invented that for managers, what a nightmare. Yeah, right? I never know. Organization. But everybody's busy, busy, busy doing what they're doing. So I just go, I pretended I needed to go down to the loo. So I go down to the loo and I sort of hover, I hover a little bit. And it turns out that it was the, it was the, that it was the summer. Everything good to me happens in the summer. I was born in the I summer. Say, I don't know what that, that cold, that's why you don't like the cold. The heat is what brings all you. All the things happen to me in the summer, right? Yeah. So I was just like, right. It was, a, it was about the summer. It was about the summer rotor. So there was three, there was the main presenter then there was the stand-in. Then there was the stand-in, stand-in. And by some complete cock-up of the rotor, there was one week in the summer holidays where somebody had given all three people the leave at the same time. I don't know what... I li- I don't know how... I can't act... I sort of imbibed it through the atmosphere. It's almost yeah. as though their voices were drifting along on yeah, the air yeah, straight yeah. into my ears, right? And my ears only. Everybody else was just busy doing what they were doing for the day. But somehow I was able... I just... My brain just tuned everything out and I could just... I was like, ah... And I thought, this is it. My, and I literally, I sort of wafted past the desk and I went, I can do that. And I've always thought the one thing you need to do is always be part of the solution, never the problem. Yes. Always be part of the solution. Um, so never, you know, no, just go with a complaint, go with a solution. Never always be that. And I just thought, and I could tell from their faces, they just wanted this shit sorting out, right? Oh, they yeah. Just, from their perspective, just, it's like, just well, get it, it was, done. It happened so like, it was almost... I don't know, it was like being just, I can't explain it. It was like sort of gliding along on ice cream. It just sort of, I just yeah, flowed yeah. towards this thing. And it just, I just, I just. And it was there. It was like, you know when you're in the airport and people walk or you've got the travel yeah, the tra- yeah, like yeah, yeah. agent. It was just yeah. like going anyway, whether I wanted to or not. It was sort of heading. In. So I just sort of go and I'll do that. And they both looked up and I'd never presented the programme. Really? Ever. And they both looked at me and I thought, they're desperate and I've literally just offered them an, a solution. And I'm competent, yeah. you know, I know I'm competent. I'm a sort of safe pair of hands. And then, oh, we'll think about it. 
course, they gave me the shifts because they had no choice and I had offered them. I stopped and and I then was listening to like Paul McKenna's How to Be Confident and all that, like yeah. I literally. And even now, I, I rub my, if I rub my thumb and my forefinger together, that is my grounding thing, right? So I can really? see the NLP yeah. thing like, that he did back then. Yeah, I remember and that. I remember just on that first shift, there's a black curtain in the studio and you go down and I just walked in and like you did in your interview I just went I'm gonna smash this and I thought the words don't matter make people all people want is to feel comfortable warm and informed exactly yeah that is all that anybody at 6 30 in the evening watching their local news on the BBC it's such a good way to put it I don't even remember what words I said I just and I treated that sofa like it was in my lounge I thought you're coming into my home you're going to, when people knock on my door, you want them to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. Would you like a trip? Come and sit down. No, 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 chill. No bother. No bother. Come in. Sit down. Got all the time. That's how I want to be in my home for people. And that's how I treat every studio. From that yeah. moment, my, when, when I'm in a studio, that is my home and you're welcome into it. And, and I came upstairs and even the grumpiest cameraman who was, like, he was so grumpy and always complained. He was like, bloody hell, Ranvia. Didn't know the programme could be done like that. Oh, well done. And I thought, hey. I, there and it you was, go. It was a sliding yeah. doors moment because there's just something in the air that I just but thought... There's, there's two things that really stick out to me. There's, number one, the fact that somebody messed up the shifts because, you know, that needed to happen. But also, yes. it really shows that, you know, if you... And I really believe this. If you hadn't have decided to go to the toilet, well, inverted yeah. commas, snooping, listening in... Um, yeah. You wouldn't, you would put, you definitely probably wouldn't have got no, it. So, and it, I te- yeah. And I tell you what it is. Imagine this, because I see this all the time with people. Mm-hmm. I had no thoughts. I didn't think I'm inexperienced. I'm inexperienced. They're never going to, I never, I, these are the things I never thought. It never, yeah. it, 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 I just you were allowed. You just like tunnel vision. It just, but it was just sort of, I just allowed the sort of, there was a sort of lifting feeling in the air and I just allowed myself to be carried along on it. Or like, a, it yeah. was just this, but I, if I think about it now, what would a, what would some young people do in that circumstance? They might go, self-doubt might creep in pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. They go, they're never going to give it to me. Why would they give it to me? I'm inexperienced. I'm too young for this. I don't want to uh, look stupid asking like if I can do it. They'll think I'm too cocky. They'll think, yeah. do you know what? Not a single thought crossed my mind. Yeah. And that's, isn't thinking. it? It's when we're just natural and we just go with the flow and it shows, and you, you've described it so well because I can genuinely like visualize it as a movie. Um, and like, just like, you know, in the movies when everything drowns out. And I wanted to ask, so what changed from doing this, this kind of week that you did in the summer? So, you know, when you think about what happens if you hadn't have done it, how was this a catalyst to other things that um, have changed in your life? Everything, because, because they just couldn't believe that it could be done that way. It was just warm and friendly and funny and quirky with the reporters. And it was just, it was just a sort of more, and I I loved my presenter because we became co-presenters after that. So in a way it changed his life in a way that at the time he didn't want yeah. Um, but he, we became incredibly good friends, very, very close friends. Um, and, uh, uh, and so it, it, I ended up becoming the co-presenter pretty soon after that. So uh, but they'd never had a co, it'd always been single-handed yeah. single handed presenter for 10 years before that. 
and that was it. And then I became the co-presenter and, um, yeah. And then when I was there, that's when I got spotted by somebody who was running ITV at the time and happened to have, they lived in Manchester but worked in London. I was their local presenter. They needed, they were going to do a rejig on Breakfast TV. They came and headhunted me. I had no idea about it. I was four months pregnant. Wow. That's the next, you know, that is the next yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to... You really are the definition of meant to be in stars aligned because like so far, this is all just aligned so perfectly. I just think all of these stories are brilliant because I think you can pinpoint it to stuff, but it's always been something that you've just had this innate drive for. And it, it really shows that we can have, and listen, like dreams don't just happen. You worked hard for them, but you put yourself in the right place at the right time in some of these and moments. And I think it's the more I do meditation, the more I do mindfulness, the more you know, as we all learn more about all that stuff, it really is a case of when you don't get in your own way, when you don't allow... We're often our biggest the, 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 the inner voice of doubt to get in the way. Yeah. And you just go with the feeling of it and you, mm-hmm. yeah, there's something else happening. Oh, there's something I'm remember else that. taking care of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's your choice. Yeah. You can stop it from happening if you're not ready. No one's ever the you're you know, no one's ever the perfect presenter, the perfect you learn a lot. Oh, no, and not, no, and I made so many mistakes in that job. I make so many mistakes learn. now. Yeah. It's not about the being perfect. It's not about that. It's just about um it is it is just about, I think, truly letting something else outside of yourself, outside mm-hmm. of your self-talk guide you to the right thing and not stopping it just letting it yeah just opening yourself not forcing it not begging for it not bank not just just be open oh my gosh Ranveer this is this is like gold for me um so we'll go into your last moment so this is how you got your first ITV News at 10 presenting shift so this means a lot more to me now I think the fact that you what you said about your dad and although that was 6 30 it's still like 10 o'clock news is a big thing so this is a real life-changing moment for you because it's the news at 10 so explain how this was such a slime doors moment for you and how you kind of got this gig yeah so I mean I've called I've called this a sliding doors moment and I suppose in the way we've told our stories it does sort of fit in better now on its own when I was thinking about it, I thought will this really fit into what Jenny wants you know as a sliding door but here we are I had a very secure BBC job uh, with a pension and everything and then you know I, had, I got headhunted for, for ITV to, to go to this thing so I give up this whole secure life at the BBC and all my friends and my life in Manchester to move to London essentially yeah. For a contract. It was a two-year contract. Uh, but I always remember being in the newsroom at the BBC and looking up at the little television thinking, what's it like to be on national? I want to know what it's like to be inside that. It's, I want yeah. to be there. And does national that. television feel bigger when you're local? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. because it's, you know, it's that, it's, it is absolutely, but it was a scratch I had to itch and I thought yeah. this option has come along. So um, I'm there 15 months into the job I'm the whole program gets a whole refit a rehash rebranding everything and I'm not part of their plans mm-hmm. and I found out at 10 o'clock in the morning and by half past 10 an email had gone out press release had gone out and I started getting emails from people I'd worked with people at the BBC going what a shame it didn't work out people producers ITV going it's been lovely knowing you mm-hmm. everything was like 
um, good luck in the future. I'd only just found out. Right? Yeah. And I've got a toddler and I've got a mortgage mm-hmm. and I'm now unemployed, basically. And I had a few months left on this contract and I was completely shocked and stunned. I came home after my breakfast shift and I just went, and again, really interestingly, guess what the weather was? Hot and sunny. Really hot and sunny. Yeah. Really hot and sunny. And uh, I went to the park that's right next door to my house and I picked up my son and I just sat on this swing and I just cried and cried. I rocked him because he was teething and I just cried and cried and cried. There's me just crying in a park with my little Mm -hmm. son. And my phone rings and it's the wonderful John Stapleton, who was a long-term, some listeners may know of him, a GMTV presenter. It's like two o'clock in the afternoon and he rings me and he goes, all right, love, I thought I'd give you a ring. And I just cried on the phone to him. And he said to me, look, all you can do now is keep your head down, don't complain, keep turning up and do your job. Just keep Mm -hmm. turning up and keep doing your job. That's all you can do, right? Fine. So he gave me some encouragement. I then sent off an email to the editor at of news at of ITV News, which was completely separate, even though it's yeah. a writer, completely separate body. Mm-hmm. They don't know any we'd ever there was never ever any crossing over of yeah. talent ever. And you call people who, you know, present talent, it's a bit of a weird name, but yeah. that's what they say, right? Mm-hmm. There's no crossover at all. At all, ever, right? Nobody from Breakfast Telly has ever at this point done anything on ITV News before, right? Two separate entities. I email. I actually don't know the history of that because I'm not an ITV person. Right? Yeah. It's so interesting. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, exactly. You didn't know again, that, that was a thing. Processes kicked in. I never blocked myself. I just went, I'm yeah. going to go. And I always did that thing, you know, dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Put on yes. a red shift dress, you know, red, you know. 100%. And, and he said, and he, out of out of kindness, lovely Jeff Hill, I'm afraid he's died now. He said, yeah, come in, come in for a chat. Yeah, fine. We'll see what we've got for you. You know, like that. Yeah, nice man. Didn't have to. Walked in. Went and sat there, and uh, he's typing away. And he goes, oh, I'm just a bit busy. He was busy. Okay. And he goes, and of course, I'd been in that newsroom when Sir Trevor MacDonald was there, when I met Richard Frediani, when mm-hmm. I realised, you know, the connection going back. Yeah. Many, many years before, I'd be, when I was a student, I'd been in yeah. that newsroom. And I sat there in his office in his, with a door this time. And uh, he goes, oh, typing down. He goes, all right, hi, Ramvia. Yeah, um... Yeah, well, I've just been looking at your your career actually, and uh, yeah, you've been you've had a sort of exponential rise, and now it's sort of plateaued, hasn't it? And I don't know what happened in me. And he just went, and he sort of did this thing, you know, like I'm I'm going to show you, Jenny. But he, so he sort yeah. of did like this, the, the sound you do for an aeroplane, doing like that, and then he went like that, and I went, oh no, my career never plateaus. It only ever goes one way and it only ever goes this way. <laughs> and I can either do it here or at Al Jazeera or at Sky News. I don't really care. But my career only ever goes one way. I bet he was like... But it, was oh sound, it sounds awful now. But it wasn't even like that. It was like a voice that was not... It was just something. Also, it wasn't true. No, he but was it saying. was true. Because if you look at it on paper, I'd given up a great BBC job. I'd mm-hmm. got this presenting a great... I'd gone to national TV. And now I'd fallen off a cliff. But do you feel because like in your head it wasn't true because you knew where you wanted to go? But it was just this thing. It was like, and I always say, nobody else's, and this is true, and I keep saying this, nobody else's opinion 
of your success matters. It mm. doesn't matter what other people yeah. view as your success or failure. It's none of their business. And they can comment on it. And my editor was only doing what everybody else would do, Jeff Hill. You know, the only, all he was, he was going, well, it has, because you've now just lost your job on national yeah. telly. And now the only way down is that it's down. But something in me was just like, and I, to think that you're speaking to an editor who you want a job from. And I just, there was just something in me and it, and I'd almost, I said it and then I didn't even realise I'd said it. And it was like, a, and I tell you what, it felt like a flame. I felt I could yeah, literally it's like I could feel like fire in myself and it sort of burst into flame inside me. And you know what happened? He went, oh, right. Uh, oh, okay. Literally, within turned around to his computer, sideways on from me. So he's not, he's in profile to me. Tap, 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 tap. He goes, let me see what I've got. Right, well, I mean, well, we're, We've got we've got a Saturday presenting shift. It's you know the smallest shift. You know it's the sort of least successful day. You know we have least amount of viewers. I can, I can try you out on that. And I went great. I did that Saturday in the same way that I'd done Northwest tonight. Yeah. And nobody could believe I'd never done that shift before. Amazing. I knew I was just like I am. I was laser focused. Gave me a Saturday shift. Then they gave me a Sunday shift a week mm -hmm. later. Which the Sunday shift is the bigger audience, right? Because yeah. you do the evening. Within something like, I want to say two months, but it might have been less time than that. It was less time than that. I, they'd give, I had a Saturday shift, a Sunday shift. Then out of the blue, one, one, one day, I got a phone call from the managing director, Robin Elias, really soon after I'd done these two shifts. He goes, are you busy on Friday? And I went, oh, uh, no. And I just brought in my mum's Tesco shopping. You know, I was busy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what? what oh, oh, sorry, but, you know. And he goes, do you want to do news at 10 on Friday? And I was like a cartoon character. You know when somebody slides down a rock face? And they're like, yeah. I literally slid down the sofa. And I and then I like got up and I literally, I was like, I was howling. I was like, I was like screaming with joy down the phone. And he must have loved it. Because he must love to give that news. Exactly. I was like, oh, I was like, I could not believe it. So I went from crying in the park with my toddler, not knowing what was next, to presenting news at 10 within two But you months. also, you know... And nobody from GMTV, nobody from Breakfast ITV that. had ever done that. Had nobody Incredible. Had ever and the thing is, you have a you have a very big common thread with all of these things, you know, where you've said like things come out of you and you just say what you, you know, you don't let yourself block yourself. But, you know, if you hadn't, you still created that moment for yourself. If yeah. you hadn't have sent that email, if you hadn't have carried on, like, I think I'm somebody that when I get the negative news, it actually sometimes spurs me on to be like, right, well, if that bad thing's going to happen, I'm going to make 10 million other brilliant Amazing. things happen instead and I think that you know that really kicked in with you and what was it like I mean going full circle what was it like with you for your family and for your mum like seeing you on news at well 10? it was really emotional because um you know and then I think I did think about my dad that's probably when I that was probably the only time really that I really started to think about it because I thought you know the bongs of big ben bong you know you've yeah. got to do headlines bong you know they're so iconic, so iconic. And I just thought, now he'd be happy. Yeah. Like, you know, as in, as yes. in, as I say, going back, sliding doors, had he not passed away, I don't think I ever would have entered, entered, entered into this career. I think I would have ended up doing law. I would have done something else. Yeah. It was safer, you know, it was more predictable. Yeah. It was knowable and tangible to my family, not this. But I thought, no, now he'd be, now, now he'd be thrilled. 
It's yeah. so lovely. And did the news at 10 open up any other doors for you? As you say, you were the first person to do it from breakfast television. Did people start taking you more seriously? Did it open more doors for you? What did it change? Well, I don't know what it changed in other people. I could tell people body language changed around me. Yeah. I think they thought uh, she's going to keep going. We can't ignore her. Mm-hmm. She won't go away quietly. Yeah. Know? And um, and I, and actually, um, I think it gave me freedom to um, build my reputation in the industry, I suppose. And um, yeah, More I mean, of so what much, you love to so do. Much came from it. Yeah. So yeah. and and actually, in a way, it was completely satisfying as an end in itself. Yeah. Even if it, had, you know, do you know what I mean? It is I an guess. absolute bucket list. And I, I and I and I actually, you know, when I go back and I think when I was sort of twenty two years old and you know I would never ever have spoken it but back then there was a very 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 at 22 there was a very very small kernel of hope whether it's belief or desire or whatever that maybe could I possibly would it be stupid to dream that maybe one day I could be on news at 10 oh. and I and it was the the size of a rice yeah. Right. That's how that's how that's how small and how in the back of my that's how big that thought ever was. But it was there when I was 22. Yeah. For sure. For what sure an amazing, amazing moment, because I really hope that you've enjoyed kind of looking back at all these things because you've done so many amazing things. And we never take the time to kind of sit back and take a step back and connect all the dots. And like, re I mean, you're saying about that moment, like, you know, it is we all have a bit of belief about something and, you know, anything is possible in life. You know, you any child that sat at home or anyone listening to this podcast who, you know, thinks the same thing about being at News 10, it's possible Yes, yeah. it might take you a while to I'll get there. What, and... I'll end on this, which is really odd, right? And it's just occurred to me just now as you say it. When I was younger, kids, you know, you always want to know what day of the week you were born and when you were born and all that, right? When I was really, one of the first things I remember learning about myself uh, was that, that, you know that thing, Monday's child is so-and-so, Tuesday's child. Yes, yeah. Thursday's child has far to go. I was born on a Thursday. And that seed was planted in my mind by a silly song that might be true yeah. or might not be, but my my mum and my sisters used to refer to it. Tuesday's child is full of woe. Wednesday's child, something, but Thursday's child has... I can't remember what it is. We'll have to find yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, we'll Google. But, but the one that I learned was Thursday's child has far to go. And from the very, very, very... If I really think back, mm -hmm. it set a belief yeah. in place I was gonna. I had to go far because that was my destiny. I had to go far because that's what it said, and that yeah. is the power of the of how you speak to your children about the kind mm -hmm. of messaging you give them about themselves. And then you know, and and it makes me emotional to think about it because you think that's why a good teacher, a good uncle, a good auntie, yeah. just someone you only ever need one person, one thing. You never ever know how that one little bit of encouragement yes. or that one little thought to a developing mind might set them on on course, not for a perfect life, but to fulfil their potential. Yeah. 
Oh, Ranveer, I honestly, I've got tingles, I've got fire, I've got so <laughs> yes. many inspirational things now that I want to go and do. I've absolutely loved this conversation. I could have made it go on for so much longer, but you've had an amazing career, an amazing life. I'm so happy that you found contentment at the moment. And I think, you know, you deserve it. What you do is amazing, but also everything you've spoken about and what you promoted to everybody in terms of hard work, but dedication, but that self-belief is just, is just absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much for coming on today oh, and telling us all about really, your moments. Really, really enjoyed it, Jenny. What a fantastic idea to have this podcast. Amazing. Oh, thank you so much, Ranveer. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sliding Doors. If you've enjoyed our chat and found it inspiring, I would love it if you could rate, review, share and subscribe. Thank you so much. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and protecting potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.